Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Matthew 16. If you turn over to Matthew 16, now this looks like, you know, you're looking at four pages. Wow, Pastor, that's a lot to get through. But most of it is just key points that we're going to touch on, as you will see. It's really not a lot of Scripture. It's kind of a normal class for us. But we're going to touch on key points that will relate to these Scriptures. And as we've always told you, this is not an in-depth study on this actual topic alone. These are the overall scriptures of what you can even study further, or at least you can walk in the light of what we're talking about. Tonight, understanding the anointing and working with the anointed one. Say it, understanding the anointing and working with the anointed one. Point number one, the very first thing that we need to learn about the anointing is that it is Jesus himself in manifestation, underline this, by the Spirit of Christ. We know He's in heaven, but He is the Anointed One. And you're going to see He's referred to as this anointing that will come to us in the last days. Now, that's not talking about Him returning to earth in context of what we know of His appearing. We're talking about His anointing working in the body of Christ. And it's going to come by the Spirit of Christ. I want to read it again. The very first thing, say first thing. The very first thing that we need to learn about the anointing is that it is Jesus Himself in manifestation. You ought to circle those words there. Because the anointing is His manifest presence. His manifest presence. By the Spirit of Christ. Let's look at it. Matthew 16, 13. 16, 13. We're going to read down through verse 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying... He asked His disciples, saying... Who do men say that I... The son of man am. Who do men say that I, the son of man am? 14. So they said, well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, how do we know that he got it right? Verse 17. Jesus answered and said, we'll throw it in for extra measure. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Amen. Now, even though they weren't born again, God still had the ability to reveal things to them by the Spirit of God. Amen. So clearly, he tells us in verse 16, you are the Christ. Say, he is the Christ. Who is Jesus is? The Son of the living God. You clearly know in this church, we've talked about it many times, the, 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 the term Christ is not, quote unquote, his last name. He's not Jesus Christ like me, Daryl Baker. No. The term Christ means anointed one. On your notes, of course, it's right there for you. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It means what? Anointed one. Say anointed one. Now, why was he anointed? Now, let me help you. Jesus was... Literally, and, and Johnny brought this up, and we've talked about it many times. Jesus was clearly uh, all God when he came. God and, God and dwelt flesh, but he was also all man. So how did he function and do the things that he did on this earth? He didn't do it because he was just, quote-unquote, the Son of God. 
If it was just because he is the only begotten son of God, then you and I couldn't do what he did. But clearly, how do we do what he did? The same way he did by the anointing. So how did Jesus do what he did? He became anointed. Thus the term anointed one. And that's how you and I function in the same anointing by recognizing we now have Jesus through our context of the salvation we've experienced living in us by way of the Holy Spirit. So we now have available that same anointing through the anointed one. Say, I have the same anointing through the anointed one. He made it possible. Number two, the anointing is not a goosebump. Or a chill. A lot of people always, whoo, I feel the anointing. You know, and a lot of times they're just referring to something of their flesh. Well, it could have been that they just turned the AC down in the room and you just got a little cold. So understand. I, you know, sad you would have to even say this, but you do. But the truth is, it's not a goosebump or a chill. Though your body may feel that way. When it gets on you, it can certainly have an, uh, an impact on your body. But you know, I've, I've experienced the anointing in many different ways in my life. The strongest anointing I've ever experienced that actually flew th- flowed through me was when I saw that boy raised from the dead. But you know what? I felt nothing in my body. That's something. Yeah. I felt nothing in my body. But it just flowed out of me and hit him. And I'll tell you what I felt. I felt it afterwards. After it manifested on him and healed him, and I left there and got in my truck, that anointing was now so strong, that residue of that anointing that it came out of me was so strong in my vehicle, I couldn't hardly drive home. I'm not joking. I had to pull over like two or three times, twice I know, maybe three times. But I pulled over, man, I'm just weeping. I'm, I'm, I'm barely able to drive. I told the Lord, I said, you got to get this off of me because I got to get up at two in the morning and go to work, and I got to get home. I got to drive this vehicle home. And I'm serious, man. So you can experience a sense of of an acknowledgement on your flesh, but that's not what we go by. The anointing is of the Spirit of God. Say that. The anointing is of the Spirit of God. It has nothing to do with your flesh. So when the anointing comes into manifestation through us, where does it come through? Does it come through your body? Comes through your spirit, man. Comes up out of your spirit, man. And it can flow through you at times where you don't even feel it. I have laid hands on people, you know, I'll never forget, uh, you know, praying for Charlie's horse, you know, Charlie Fox. When I prayed for his horse, I didn't feel any goosebumps or anything in my body. Now, I felt it, and here's how I felt it. I felt it on that horse. I felt it by my hand. Through, I didn't even feel like in my hand. I just felt it on that horse. When I prayed, I felt that anointing manifest on that horse's body. Now, here's what's cool. I'll tell you how, how knowledgeable that anointing was because he felt it. And he, he raised his little head up. Do you feel that? I said, yeah. I said, that's the anointing. So sometimes, I don't know how to describe that other than not tangible in the sense like it's manifest on me. I can feel where it manifested. I can sense that it's there. We've got to be careful with this feeling thing, though, because, again, that's not what we go by. We go by what the Word of God says. Bible tells me and you we have the same anointing, anointed one and his anointing, therefore, to work in our life. Amen? Let's go to Hosea. Come on, Old Testament prophet, minor, Hosea 6. And you'll see a prophecy here in Hosea Hosea 6, verses 1 through 3, about Jesus, that he literally is, quote-unquote, what we know as the latter rain. Now, what does the latter rain refer to? Latter outpouring. Latter outpouring. When did the former rain come? Day of Pentecost. Pentecost. Book of Acts chapter 2, there was a former rain, and there is coming a... There is coming a 
latter rain. And I believe it's starting to happen. I believe in Kentucky, we have proof that it's starting to happen. In this college, where they've had revival before, but it wasn't, they had re revival meetings before. They're just doing a normal, regular, daily, uh, or, or weekly, or whatever it is, chapel service. And when they got done with the chapel service, it's kind of funny because the pastor even said, pastor told the chancellor of the school, he said, I didn't even feel, I said, it was a pretty, pretty boring sermon in my viewpoint. I felt like I really kind of missed God and didn't really do that great a job on the sermon. But after he got done, and they obviously started closing the service, people just didn't want to leave. See, I, I tell you what, man, you got to realize that all we want to do is give him room to, to move, room to do what he wants to do. Amen? But we don't base it on a feeling, nor do we try to manifest it. But he has promised the latter rain to come. You don't have to run to Kentucky to get it because he's, we already are anointed. And he's going to bring that, that latter rain across to every part of our uh, world and our nation. Amen. So notice this clearly in Hosea 6. This is a prophetic statement here about the Lord Jesus. This is a, pro, a prophetic utterance. Uh, by God through Hosea, the prophet in the Old Testament. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. Now, this is talking about salvation. Let's return to him. So, in other words, let's come back to the Lord. Let's come back into relationship with the Lord. How are you going to do that? You're going to do that through salvation. So, we're going to return. How I many know, oh, thank God you already have. You're born again. There's going to be a time. See, you couldn't return to the Lord in this sense is what you're about to read till Jesus came and died and you had a chance to be born again. So let us return to the Lord for he is torn, but he will heal us. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. So when did he do all that? Old Testament. Dealing with the Old Testament rebellious people who he had to deal with and judge many of them. Verse 2, watch this. After two days, he will do what? Revive. After two days, he'll what? Revive us, and on the third day he will do what? So literally he's telling me and you that we will, after two days, in essence, do what? Be revived, context of what we now know of what the Bible talks about, a day in the Lord's if a thousand years, in two thousand years, and on that third day he's going to raise us up. Now that's actually really talking to me and you more about the rapture. You listening? On that third day he's going to rapture us out of here. Notice this. Now, if you take that into context of the time we're living in, where are we at in time frame of since Jesus has been here? A little over 2,000 years. We don't know when we're going to enter into that third day, but we got to be getting close. We enter into that third day, guess what's going to happen? He's taking us out of here. Aren't you glad about that? Notice that we may do what? Live in His sight. See, that's the rapture because you're going to know Him as He's known. You're going to be right there in His manifest presence. Now notice this, verse 3, let us know. So in the midst of that happening, before that happens, let us know. We're to know something. We're to know something. Let us pursue. Underline those three words, please. We're supposed to pursue something. What are we supposed to know? Jesus. We're supposed to know our Lord. We're supposed to know our God. How are you going to know Him? Well, you're not going to if you keep ignoring Him every day. You're not going to know Him if you don't take time to truly get to know Him and fellowship with Him. He is the best person you could ever get to know and fellowship with every day. So again, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord to get to know Him. So you've got to pursue that. You know what that means? It's a daily struggle and battle with your flesh to put your flesh aside and say, I'm pursuing God today. I'm not going to be lazy about it. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to fellowship with God. Amen. Notice this, he, uh, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established. 
Him coming to fulfill this. His going forth is established as the morning. Guess what you're going to see tomorrow? Morning. And he's saying, just like the morning comes up, this is, this is going to be established. Notice, he will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. So the latter rain will be like the former. What happened during the former? God poured out his spirit. Man, people got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, seriously, God's power and glory started being seen all through the New Testament church as they went out to do the work of God. Wait a minute. Were they really popular? No, they weren't. But I'll tell you what it did. It turned a bunch of hearts to God. And it's going to happen again. Now, I'm not, I'm not against any mass salvations God wants to bring. I'm all for it. I just don't see it in the Bible. And I'm glad my pastor's speaking out about it now, too. Not because we don't want to see it happen, but just because we got to realize that's why we got to do everything we can to reach everybody we can because God still has a harvest to be reached. I don't think it's a mass amount of souls because he clearly states over and over again, in the last days the love of many would grow cold. Guess what you better not let your love do? Grow cold. Amen. Amen. So you and I, don't. We, we know this. We don't want to go all of a sudden drifting out. It breaks my heart to see believers who were once walking in the confined way towards life and now they've broken out into the broad pathway that leads to destruction. We don't want to do that. So you and I want to do what? Stay anointed. Stay anointed. If we get in on this latter rain and stay anointed as that latter rain is coming, guess what? You're going to stay anointed in Jesus' name. So what is this revealing to you? Read it again here in verse 3. He, say he. So it's talking about Jesus. He will come to us like what? Rain. Underline it. He will come to us like what? Rain. So what's he describing Jesus as? The latter rain. The latter outpouring. The latter anointing. So on your notes there, number three, though the anointing is reported or referred to as oil, new wine, or latter rain, it is really what? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Thus saith Hosea 6 verse 3. Very clear. So Jesus is that rain. Aren't you glad? Acts chapter 1, go to Acts chapter 1, and again, remember, that latter rain is not talking about his return and rapturing the church. That's talking about him, by the Holy Spirit, outpouring his very presence upon the body of Christ. Acts chapter 1. I know you know these verses, but we're going to read them anyway. Acts chapter 1, if you turn there. On your notes, number 4, the enabling power from on high is a person person called the Holy Spirit who represents Jesus on the earth. Well, I thought you just said the anointing was Jesus. It is. It is Jesus. Well, how can you say that when now you're saying it's the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit's here to do one thing, represent Jesus. He said, I'm here to declare to you, make known to you, to, to decree to you uh, what Jesus has made known to me. Jesus is that anointing. He functions through the Holy Spirit and him obviously being here to pour out his presence on us to obviously help us to walk in that anointing. So you know these verses, I know. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive what? Power. power. What shall you receive? Power. Shout it at me three times. Power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm glad. I love to see more and more and more people simplifying this. Johnny did it Sunday, brought a smile to my face. I've been saying it for years. He didn't say come down. He said come up on you. So he's already in you. He's already in you. He will come upon you and you shall be what then? So what is the purpose of this outpouring? Now not only is it to free you, but more importantly, it's so that you can now go out and be a witness for him. It's hard to free people if you've not been freed. 
It's hard to have a trust and belief that God can do that for others if he hadn't done that for you. I mean, he's done it for you, but I'm talking about you walking in the light of it. So he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Go over to Acts chapter 2. On the very beginning of the former reign, evidence of the former reign, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when they were all, excuse me, and they were all filled with what? So filled here doesn't mean now they just got the Holy Spirit for the first time. Filled here means now it's overpouring them. So you, the, the glass was already full. Now it's pouring out. That's filled. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit did what? Now I'm going to show you something significant about the latter rain. How many of you seriously, and I don't mean just to say, yeah, pastor. How many of you seriously want to have the opportunity to be a part of our church to see that latter rain in our church? How many seriously want to do that? So back up to Acts 1. Let me show you a qualifier. Now, you don't work out anybody else's salvation but your own. But what is it that caused these uh, 120 disciples to, to be in a position in Acts chapter 2 to all be filled? 120 of them all at the same time. What is it that caused that to happen? Well, back up to Acts chapter 1, verse 13. When they had entered into this upper room where they were to go, notice this, where Jesus told them to go, they were, where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. 14, underline it please, or make a note of it, or circle it, or highlight it. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Why did this outpouring happen? They were all meeting together, joining together in one accord in prayer. The more this church gets united in praying together, the quicker we're going to see that latter rain. What happened, what has, what is happening since last Wednesday hasn't stopped 24 hours a day. What, what has happened in Asbury, uh, Asbury College? What's happened there? I'll tell you what happened. They all came. They all started praying in one accord, and they haven't stopped yet. Amen. Now, they're just praying the whole time, Pastor. Let me tell you, I love this truth about what uh, Dr. Hagen pointed out years ago. He said, I heard a great Greek scholar, and I think it might have been one of his spiritual dads that told him this, said, the high, want to know what the highest form uh, of uh, prayer is? Highest form of prayer, praise. You know what the highest form of praise is? Prayer. So realize that as they are there, they're not just praying, they're praising, so they're praying as well because one of the highest, form of pray, of highest forms of praise is what? Prayer. Because when you praise, what are you doing? You're talking to God. Amen. You're focusing on God. So what have they been doing the whole time? One accord. One accord, united as one, lifting their voices to heaven. And lo and behold, what happened? Chapter 2, they were all filled. They were all filled. So you know what that means? Hungry. Hungry for more of God. How hungry are you? God literally says throughout Scripture, I will satisfy the hungry. I will fill the thirsty. Can I get a better amen? So again, number four, this enabling power from on high is a person called the Holy Spirit who represents Jesus on the earth. Let's go to John 14. So let's look a little further as it relates to the Holy Spirit in relationship to this. We're talking about understanding the anointing 
and working with the anointed one, Jesus. So that anointing we clearly understand is in essence Jesus, the anointed one, and it comes by way of the Holy Spirit because he represents Jesus. Number five on your notes, understand that the Holy Spirit has come as our helper, not our doer. Why is that important? Because if you don't understand that he's here to help you, you won't get in on the anointing. He's not here to do for you. There's something you got to do to get the anointing working on your life. If you do what you need to do, his anointing will come. Any amens on that? We're going to talk about it as we go further tonight. If we start doing our part of what we need to do to understand the anointing and work with the Holy Spirit to see that anointing function through us, guess what? He'll do his part. But we got to do our part. God has set everything up in the kingdom reciprocal. Everything. Draw near to him. He draws near to you. He already came and did his part. Now he's waiting for us. Amen? So you got to understand, this is so critical. We need to, to know this very clearly. Number five, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit has come as our helper, not our doer. So we got to learn how to do the doing. And if we learn our part of doing the doing, guess what? The Holy Spirit will do the helping. John 14, 26, but the helper, say the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Now let me help you. Uh, What is teaching you all things referred to? Everything that God wants you to know as it relates to your life as a believer. Do you know one of the things God wants you to know about the last days? How to flow in the anointing. How to flow in the anointing. Who's going to teach you how to flow in the anointing? Let me read it again. Let me read it again. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, including how to flow in the anointing. I better get to know this Holy Spirit. Not exalt Him, not not lift Him up, not glorify Him. He don't want any of that. So that's a part of getting to know the Holy Spirit. He don't want you exalting Him. He don't, but He certainly doesn't want you doing what? He don't want you quenching Him. He don't want you grieving Him. He don't want you resisting Him. Because if you don't learn to work with Him, there you're not, therefore you're not doing the doing part. Right? Truth is... You're not working with him. You're learning how to yield to him. Do your part, and then he will do what? Help. So this helper, will, he will do what? He's going to teach us all things, including how to flow in the anointing. Watch this. And he'll bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So we have to go to the Bible, find out everything the Bible teaches us about this anointing. And if we do, the Holy Spirit will bring these things to our remembrance and teach us how it functions. Chapter 15, verse 26, tells tells us more about this helper. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will do what? He's going to testify of who then? In the context of our teaching tonight, what's he going to testify of? The anointed one and his anointing. Because he's not just Jesus, he's Jesus the Christ. So what's he going to testify to? The anointed one and his anointing. Amen? So in verse 26, we see he's a helper again, but he's recognized again as what? The spirit of truth. How again important is it? I know we emphasize it, but I'm just telling you. You don't understand how many times in my life I've watched people 
who started living by truth, seeing God work in their life, and all of a sudden, because they adjust their life back to want to live their way, to what they want, now all of a sudden, the very Bible that was working for them, they don't like anymore because it doesn't line up with what they want to do. And so now all of a sudden, that teaching isn't true anymore. Well, let me help you. The Bible didn't change. Somebody did, but the Bible didn't. If it's a black and white truth, it's a black and white truth. You got to understand that any believer on the planet, and all of us have probably made the mistake of doing it one time or another, can take any verse to try to make it say what you want it to say. To fit what you want it to fit. But the things that are black and white in the scriptures, now there's some great stuff. We don't know everything about what's going to happen in context of the last days. We know what we need to know, but there's things in there God didn't reveal. Do you know why? You know why he didn't? You know why he didn't? Let me tell you why he didn't. Brother uh, Hilton Sutton, thank you, Dr. Sutton, taught us this truth. He said, I'm going to tell you why God did not reveal to us black and white everything about the last days. Because if he would have, the devil would have known about it. And it's not that the devil could stop God, but he could hinder God's people. If he knows what, the de- what God wants to do, he could work against God's people to try to hinder that. So he's not going to reveal every single detail, and he didn't. That's why a lot of revelation is not very clear, black and white, as to everything that will go on. Amen? But you and I got to understand the Holy Spirit, our helper will do the helping if we'll do the doing. doing, And that includes doing what? Sticking to the truth. You've got to understand the significance of never trying to take the Bible and now make it change what you want it to say because you chose to change your lifestyle and go back to living according to the flesh. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. How do you know, Pastor? How would I know, Pastor? How would I? What would be a sign to me that could show me that I have begun to drift away from the truth? You start looking worldly again. You start dressing worldly, sounding worldly, acting worldly, carnal. If you were obviously coming out of that and walking with God, right? There's carnal Christians and there are spiritual Christians. Which do you want to be? Spiritual. What happens if I was spiritual and I start drifting back? Then you're going to start seeing evidence of a carnal nature. That's what you're going to start seeing again. Amen. Uh, I, I just keep quoting because I get these little nuggets from you know Sutton and uh, excuse me from us. Uh, Lester Summer on this new series I'm listening to. He said, how many want to walk to preach in this church? How many want to walk close with God? What I loved about Dr. Uh, Summerall is, listen, he, he even said in his teaching, he said, everybody knows where I stand when I get done preaching. There ain't no question about what did he mean? What did he say? You knew exactly what I meant. When the Lord called him back to America, he didn't want to leave where he was at in the nations that he was actually at and preaching in. He said, Lord, I don't want to go back to America. I'm happy to do the work here. He said, no, I need a strong voice in America. I need strong voices in America. America needs Lester Sumrall and others like you. And one of the things he said was, he said, I'm just going to quote him. Can I quote him? He said, now listen, honey, if you're going to dress with everything hanging out of your blouse and everything hanging out of your skirt and you boys have everything hanging out all your, all your body parts and stuff and tell people you walk close with God, you have no idea what you're talking about. You don't live that way and walk close with God. If that's the way you're living, you're not walking close with God. Because walking close with God will cause you not to want to live that way. Like the world. So what's an indication, Pastor, I'm drifting back to the world? You're starting to look like them. You're starting to sound like them. You're starting to act like them. Turn around. Start chasing after God again. Can I get a better amen? Stick to the truth. Amen? John 16. 
16, 13, one last verse here about this helper. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, what will he do? What's he going to do? Guide you into what? All truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Okay, I want to give you a warning about listening to people who, who misinterpret or, or and or, because sometimes it can be misinterpreted, understandably, and or twist the scriptures to fit their lifestyle. All of a sudden, they start taking a point from the Scripture, and they now actually take that point from the Scripture, and they turn around and they use it in relationship to something of their lifestyle, trying to make that fit their lifestyle. You don't ever want to do that. You don't ever want to. I saw a reference of the day that somebody gave talking about the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then they turned around, they took apart their lifestyle, and they applied it to their lifestyle. Therefore, it doesn't matter if I do this or not because and it had nothing to do with the Bible. Nothing. It was just because that's how they wanted to live. That's what they wanted to do. So they're now taking, they're trying to compare what they're saying actually is okay to do that the Bible says is not okay to do. And they're saying it's okay because it's like the Sabbath. You got to watch. You got to watch when people start trying to take little truths. And it might sound pretty good, but if you look at that in the light of the truth of Scripture, God doesn't change his opinion about anything. People do. People do. I'm glad God doesn't change. I don't have to try to figure him out tomorrow and then try, try to figure him out different the next day. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. So, number 5A, notice this. You must step out in faith to help others if you want the Holy Spirit to step out and help you. Powerful statement. See, if you want the Holy Spirit to start helping you, guess what you need to do? You need to start, start stepping out and helping others. Everything in the kingdom is reciprocal. So when you start going out and doing what God told you to do, God's going to also do what? See that the Holy Spirit's going to help you. 5B, the Bible tells us that if we draw near to God, again, as I just mentioned, He will do what? Draw near close to us, not the other way around. He don't draw close to us first. We draw close to Him first, and then He responds. C, every vessel, say every vessel. Every vessel, talking about every individual, must study how God wants to use them and flow with them accordingly. We'll see some of this tonight. No man needs to teach you the, of, the, of the anointing that's in you, 1 John 2, 27. Now, that doesn't mean you get to determine how the anointing works in your life. That's contrary to Scripture, not at all. But how he works that through. Remember, Johnny was a great example the other day. He said, I'm so glad God shows me things. And then he gave the example of the saddle bronc rider and the bull rider. So you got to learn ways that God works. Now, the truth was, was the Bible. So learn how he works with you is how he shows, reveals things to you. But it's always going to be in line with the truth because he's what? He's the spirit of truth. Can I get a better amen? When he was preaching on that, I said, you don't know how many times in bull riding schools we spent, Kathy can tell you, she was at all the bull riding schools. She was there patching up little cuts and scratches and all that and praying for boys. But I'm telling you, I used to teach these kids, you've got to learn how to get off a bull. And I guarantee you, I was grateful that my instructor, Jerome Robinson, part of what we spent over half a day of three-day school on was learning how to get off a bull. He said, it shocks me nobody teaches you how to get off of one. The most dangerous time if you made it to the whistle is what's going to happen between the now and the time you get off him, whether you get away or not. And most guys, they don't know how to get off a bull. I guarantee you where they wind up, under him. Or right beside him where he can turn around and step on him. You know, getting hooked hurts. It don't feel real good. But most guys will tell you, most of the time, although occasionally, most of the time you don't get really major damage from a hook. And a bull hooks you, he just throws you aside, throws you out. It's when you get stepped on. When 800 pounds steps on you, something's given. It ain't him. (laughs) Amen. 
So uh, that's the point. Uh, that's how God works with Johnny. He reveals those things to him that way. It doesn't mean that he would reveal to you that thing, obviously, that way. But you've got to learn how he's going to work with you with the same anointing. First, uh, John two, uh, First John 2, 27 says that that's exactly what he does. D, notice this, each of us have a special God-imparted gift that he expects us to use and develop ourselves in. What do you mean gift? An ability, God's enablement. For me, I'm a called to five-fold ministry gift. That's not true for you. All of us are called with different gifts and abilities that God wants us to use for the purpose of helping to be able to reach others. Amen? D1, remember that every person is different. And that we must learn on our own how God works with us. So every time I think about that, I think of Kathy. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Where she was so, you know, pressuring herself when she would get in the pulpit to try to be like me. She was trying to be a teacher and she was not anointed to be a teacher. She's anointed to be an, ex an exhorter. And when Terry Mize turned and spoke that word to her, man, it was like liberation, man. She finally got it. And she said, wow, I don't have to be like Daryl. I don't have to try to be this quote-unquote teacher like Daryl. I've had other people, you know, it, it, it gets me because honestly, I don't, don't misunderstand me. I rely on God. I rely on the Holy Spirit. I don't think I'm that great of a teacher. I do not. And, and if you obviously are walking in the anointing of God, nobody does. Nobody says, oh, yeah, I'm this great teacher. You know, people come to this pulpit like Johnny. I know the teaching you get here. That's because of God. And that's because of the Holy Spirit. And that's because your pastor seeks him. And that's because your pastor's been blessed with great leadership to pour those things in our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, understand we've got to know what our gifting is. We've got to know what our gifting is. 5E, notice this. We must know the ministry of the Holy Spirit as well if we're to do what? Work with Him. We've got to understand. We did a whole teaching, remember that? On the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit so we can know how to work with Him. So here on number one is some points we're going to go through. Eight points as we just read in the, in the Gospels, John 14, 15, and 16. We'll go over some points about those verses. One, the Holy Spirit is our, say my. The Holy Spirit is our what? Helper. We're not, we're not His helper. Get that. I'm not here to help the Holy Spirit. Think about that. I'm not here to help the Holy Spirit. He's here to help me. He's here to help me. Pretty awesome. 1A, some people want to use the Spirit instead of the Spirit using them. Now, how is it that I would want to be trying to use the Spirit instead of the Spirit using me? I'm trying to get Him to do what I want Him to do. I'm trying to get the gifts to manifest, or I'm trying to get Him to flow through me. No, 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 no. You simply be obedient to what Jesus told you to do and rely on the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do. 1B, you must do and he will help you do it. 1C, if you wait for him to do it, you will not get it done. If you're going to wait for him to, oh, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to manifest before I lay my hands on somebody, pray for him. Didn't the Bible say go lay hands on the sick? What are you waiting for? Hallelujah. What if they don't get healed? Ain't your responsibility. You're not the healer. That's between them. and the, Your job is to teach them the word. Your job is to explain. That, that, listen, anytime it comes to healing, you're going to deal with two things. Never forget it. You might want to make a little side note, a little side journey here. So every time you deal with trying to pray for somebody for healing, you got to deal with two things. Number one, you ready? Yes. Number one, do you believe God can do it? Amen. They got to believe God can do it. If they don't believe God can do it, you're praying for them ain't going to get it done because he's the one that does it. If they don't believe God can heal them. Now, you know, that's not a problem for most people. You know, most people don't doubt that God can do it. But number two is, number two is it is will. You got to show them it is. Yes. 
Not only, not only can he do it, he will. See, for, for the average person where they lack the ability in the area of healing is because they don't know if he will do it or not. Right? right? It's like the leper. I know you can, but will you? And that's what most people struggle with. So when you and I get ready to minister to somebody, we don't just run up and slap hands on them and say, let me pray for you. No, you need to give some foundation of the word to obviously see whether... That's why Jesus over and over again. A blind man comes to Jesus, and what does Jesus say to him? What do you want me to do for you? Isn't it obvious? Well, that's not why he's asking. You know why he's asking? He wants to make sure he's got faith. Because if he's got the faith to believe that not only can he do it, he will do it. Guess what's going to happen? That anointing is going to flow into him. And he's going to get healed. Amen. Amen. So I've got to do the doing. Say it. And the Holy Spirit will do the helping. Two, he's going to also do what? Teach you all things. Including how to flow in that anointing. If you, if you rely on him to do that, he'll help you do it. Three, he will bring what? All things to your members. Four, he's going to testify of Jesus. And five, he's going to guide you into now, not only all truth about how things work, but you could also add to that, not only will he guide me into all truth, but in line with all truth. He guides us into all truth. He, he guides us in line with all truth. 5a, and this means he will guide you and keep you out of all error. He will guide you and keep you out of all error. So my next question is, all these quote-unquote believers that have been spirit-filled at one, at one time and are living their lives in error all across the planet, why? why? Why is that happening? Why is that happening? Why in the world are they walking in error if the Holy Spirit's going to guide them and keep them in all truth and out of all error? Where's the primary place where you're to receive truth? In the house of God. Who is it supposed to give you that truth? Your shepherd. What happens if you're no longer submitted to spiritual leadership? You're open to deception. It's that simple. Why? Because they watch out for your soul, like it or not. God set it up that way. I'm glad. I said, I'm glad about it. Number six, notice this. He will also, the Holy Spirit, do what? Tell you things to come. Aren't you glad? He'll prepare you for what's ahead. If you'll let him. Seven, he will glorify Jesus Christ, what? In your, in your midst, right in your midst. Eight, he will give you power to be what? Witnesses of Jesus Christ. I have asked the Lord over and over, I would love to meet that boy that got raised up from the dead that day because I left there as a baby I'm just a baby Christian hungry for God. But I left there that day not realizing I needed to go talk to that boy and see if he knew Jesus. And the fact of what just happened that he didn't realize happened was an absolute miracle. Uh, so he would truly be able to know about what Jesus has available for him in salvation as a child of God. So I've asked the Lord, do you know who he is? Send labors across his path. I learned and realized now I should have done that. But you don't ever want to see something like that happen, get all excited and walk off. Make sure they know you're Jesus. Yeah. Number six, it doesn't do much good if they got raised up from the dead in that moment and then they go to hell forever because they didn't receive Christ as their Savior. Number six, it is the will of God. Say, it is the will of God. Notice, it is the will of God to do what? Let's look at them. Come on, real quick. Mark 16. Say, hallelujah. I love these verses here. All these we're about to look at. Mark 16. It is his will to work with us. 16, 14. Later, he, Jesus, appeared after being raised from the dead to the eleven as they sat at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Don't get upset at God rebuking your unbelief and hardness of heart. He's just trying to get you on the right track. Amen. He's not like rebuking you, beating you up, hollering, screaming. Matt, no, he's revealing to you. Hey, man, you need to deal with this. 
Notice, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen, he said to them, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel to who? Every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be what? Now, baptized to be saved, of course, you know, isn't water baptism. There's also what's known as being baptized into Christ. Immersing yourself into Jesus. Notice this, verse 17, and these signs will follow. Say, they will. Notice the absolute. These signs will follow those who what? Are you a believer? Well, notice this. He said, in my name, they'll do what? They will cast out demons. They will also do what? Speak with new tongues. How many like that? 18, they will take up serpents, not literal snakes. Not literal snakes, no. He's saying that they'll take up literally the forces of darkness, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means what? Hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will do what? They will recover. Take up serpents even means if a actual, like Paul, physical serpent was to bite you, it won't harm you. Matthew 28, he just shook it off, right? Shook it off, went right on about his business. They were waiting for him to blow up and puff up, and it didn't happen. And I'll guarantee what they do after that. There's something different about this boy right here. Matthew 28, 16. The 11 disciples, Matthew's account of the Great Commission. The disciples went away into Galilee to the mountains which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go. Circle, highlight, underline, or put a big uh, arrow pointing to the word go. That's a transfer of authority. The Greek word there is a, tra- it's a legal term. There was a, there was a, a gentleman that uh, Brother Hagen knew who was a lawyer. And he actually started studying Greek. He looked at this word. He said, Brother Hagen, it's a le- that's a legal term right there. It's like if you gave power of attorney to somebody, they would have full access to do whatever you gave them power to do in your name. That's exactly what Jesus did here. The word go is he gave us power of attorney. Why would he tell us in verse 18, all authority was given to him and then he goes to heaven? He don't need it in heaven. You need it here. Do what? Go therefore and make what? Disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the... So all you short folks, don't worry. Jesus is with you. Even to the end of the age. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. You know, I always got always to shoot that in there real quick, man. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm so glad to know Jesus is with my wife wherever she goes. And me. Even tall people. 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. We then as workers together. Woo! Workers together. Now, the with him was italicized and it was added. But here again, they actually helped us to further understand the context of the scriptures of what it was actually speaking about. He is working with us. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God, what? In vain. He didn't want you to get born again and not be able to go out and help other people. So to receive the grace of God in vain would be what? Okay, so what does it mean if you're vain? Oh, you're vain. Woo, they're vain, man. What does that mean? It's all about you, baby. It's all about you. Was salvation just all about you? Just get born again just so you get to heaven? No. See, if I receive the grace, salvation, of God in vain, then guess what I'm not doing? I'm not going out and sharing and doing what Jesus told me to do with what I now have to help others. I'm just using it for myself. That's in vain. 
That's in vain. Now I want you to notice something here. He is workers together. Excuse me. We are, I apologize, workers together what? With him. Do you know how he works with you? He doesn't really work with you. He doesn't work with you. He works through you. He don't work with you. He's a helper to work through you, but he doesn't work with you. You know what he works with? The Word of God. What does he confirm? Word of God. And that's why Brother Hagin said, I don't have to have a special anointing on me to pray for anybody. I know the Word. All I got to do is give him the Word. God now has what he needs to work with. Amen. The Bible teaches us God, in context of the book of Acts, working with them. No, it actually says working with the Word. We often misquote it. He didn't say working with them. He said working with the Word. He confirmed the Word with signs following. Amen. So what does he work with? The Word. Use the Word. He'll work with you. Acts chapter 10. Let's go to some shouting verses. Any shouting shoes tonight? Acts chapter 10. Come on. Let's go to some shouting verses here. Number 7. The Bible tells us that even Jesus was empowered or anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And yet, and, and even though he, and yet he was deity. So that doesn't mean you got to be deity. Just means that that's how he functioned. Even though he was deity, how did he do what he did? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about. I love these verses here. Acts 10, 34, Peter opened his mouth, and in this case, it was good. Amen. He's now anointed. He's now flowing in the anointing. He opened his mouth all the time with Jesus. He helped us learn a lot of stuff by embarrassing himself. But here he's speaking on behalf of what the Holy Spirit's saying. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God does what? God does what? There is no such thing that he anointed Brother Hagin more than others. Or he anointed Brother Wigglesworth. Or he anointed Catherine Kuhlman. Or he anointed uh, John G. Lake more than all of us. No, they just learned how to work with that anointing. Now, everybody may have a, a, a different type of gifting of anointing, but he still is the same anointing that does the work. He doesn't show partiality. He doesn't anoint some, in other words, and not others. 35, in, this, in every nation, that includes where you and I are today in America, whoever what? Fears him. What's that mean? Oh, I need to teach on this. I know I do, I know I do, I know I do. Got to get back on. I've been years. Uh, uh, when uh, It was pretty cool. I didn't even think about it. But when Johnny was here, he said, you know what I'm listening to right now? He, I said, what? He said, a teaching of yours on cassette tape about the fear of God, and it is good. I said, you got a cassette tape of mine? <laughs> On the fear of God? I said, yeah. First time I came to church. He said, you gave me these tapes. And he said, I've never stopped listening to that series, man. So good. I'll tell you what. The fear of God is powerful when you understand it. Because it means we stand in complete awe and reverence of who he is. And who he's made us to be. Amen. So again, he says, clearly, he who fears him, God, and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. 38, how God anointed. What did John preach? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing what? Good and healing all manner, all types of diseases and sickness. Notice he went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was what? God was with him. Well, guess what? He's with you. So I have the same anointing. 7a. Note that Jesus, even though he was deity and the son of God, he did no miracles or display of power until after he was baptized 
and the Holy Spirit came upon him in the River Jordan. He didn't do a single miracle until the Holy Spirit came up on him in the River Jordan. 7b, how much more then do we need this anointing? Amen. Any amens on that? Number eight, the anointing will function in your life in three basic ways. Three basic ways the anointing functions. 8a, number one, the anointing will do what? We just read it in Acts chapter 1-8. It'll come upon you. So at different times, it will rise up upon you. Once you've learned how to yield to the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues, you have the ability to yield to that, that anointing to come upon you to do what God needs to do through you. And it's known as charisma or meaning to smear on. To smear on. B, the second way the anointing will function in your life is it will do what? It will go within you. 1 John 2.20 says you have an anointing from the Holy One and he, uh, you don't need anyone to teach you an essence about the anointing because it's in you. Right. It's there. And that's called an unction or a deposit that was placed within you. Good. And then the third way, the anointing will come out of you to do what? Help others. The anointing will come out of you to help others. Let's look at one of these verses that relates to Jesus' life, Luke 6. Let's just look at Luke 6. Because they basically both say the same thing. But he was anointed. If you have yielded to the Holy Spirit, you're anointed. If you got born again, you got the same Holy Spirit in you. You just need to learn how to yield to him initially, get him upon you, and learn how to allow him to flow through you. Luke 6, 19, notice this. The whole multitude sought to touch him, Jesus. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. What went out from him? Think about that. What went out from him? Now, does anybody know why that power flowed out of him? Absolutely faith. Faith drew it out. But why did it flow out of him? You know what you find out about Jesus over and over again in the Scriptures? There's another incident in the Scriptures that talk about the power of the Lord in Jesus' life was present to heal. You know, actually, the Bible tells you it happened right before that. He was, he was in prayer all night with the Father. Fellowship. Fellowship. Learning to, to yield to that presence that obviously had come upon him. And so can we. I said, so can we. So notice here again, see the anointing will do what? It will come out of you to help others. That's known as virtue in the Bible. It's the way it's worded in the King James, which is the word for power. Remember when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment? And the King James says, and he felt virtue go out of him. What went out? Power went out. Power went out. And so like Chef said, it's faith that draws it. But obviously we have the ability to see that power functioning out of our life. Helping power come out of us. Nine, remember that the Bible teaches us that it is the anointing that does what? It removes every yoke, not some. It removes every yoke of bondage and it sets what? People free. Anybody know Isaiah 10, 27? What's, what's Isaiah 20, 10, 27 say? And the burden will be lifted and the yoke destroyed by the anointing. What's the anointing to do? Remove burdens, destroy yokes. Lift burdens off of people and break the yokes of bondage from off of their life. How many know we need more of this anointing? Ten, be sure your lifestyle is one that does not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says don't quench him. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve him. If you quench him and lead to grieving him, you'll begin to resist him. 
I'm watching people. I, I was reminded tonight in worship, and I thought, Lord, what a time to remind me of that. I was reminded tonight in worship. There was a time in prayer. Some of you were here. There was a time in prayer. I couldn't stop but start bawling because God began to show me there's people in your church, Daryl, that they're not going to stay serious in their walk with God, and they're going to actually be taken advantage of and pulled on by the enemy. You know what this goes along with? This goes along with Dr. Barclay's vision of the two clouds. You remember why God showed him those two clouds? I, you know what? Somebody needs to, can't, Carrie's good at this. I'll make Carrie do this. Send me a text message. Pastor, you promised us the written version of Dr. Barclay's vision. I never got you that. I never got you that. So send me a text. Pastor, get us that, and I'll get it printed out for you. The, the whole purpose of that vision that he saw, and by the way, this was at Brother Hagin's camp meeting. He was a speaker. He went out in the spirit. Meanwhile, he fell down flat on his face. Didn't, he didn't drop down. Holy Spirit came on him. He just fell on his face. He goes off into the spirit seeing this vision. I don't mean like floating off somewhere. I'm not about seeing in the spirit realm. And Brother Hagin was on the back of the platform, but Brother Hagin was caught up in that vision with him, but he could see uh, Dr. Barclay in front of him. Watching this happen. So it was this, remember, bright cloud, dark cloud. And in that day, guess what there was? Gray area. A lot of gray area. So there's coming a day, Mark, when that white cloud and that black cloud, they will come together. You know why we know that's true today? I'm going to tell you why. Because America's been living in a gray area for a long time. Not anymore. It's black and white, baby. And Now, this is the key to that vision. You ready? This, you never need to forget it. If all you're thinking of, oh, yeah, white cloud, glory cloud, black cloud, evil, come together. Okay, yeah, we're there. That wasn't the purpose of showing him the vision. Listen to what he told him. He said, you tell my people, listen, run. run don't walk. Right. Run to the glory. And if they don't, he said, I watched it. I saw believers being sucked into that dark cloud because they would not run to the glory. They would not run to God. And that dark cloud was just sucking them in and taking advantage of their life. So you and I need to run to the glory. Amen. What do you mean? Keep chasing God. Keep chasing the Lord. Keep chasing after the, the presence of God in your life. Amen. So again, you need to be sure that your lifestyle is one that does not what? Quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, but I'm still dealing with stuff, Pastor, then believe God to get free from it. The, the, the most, do what the Lord gave us said out about the blood, right? But, but recognize that you don't ever stop giving up going after what God has for your life. Amen. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, we'll look at it real quick. Be the last set of verses we'll look at tonight. I'm just coming in under time here. 2 Timothy. I know you probably know these verses as well, too. 2 Timothy chapter 2. So I want to help you with this real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. You there? Yes. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. I don't mean, quote unquote, we should expect to have some of us made for honor and some for dishonor. God doesn't make anybody dishonorable. But in a great house, there are some that are honorable, some that are dishonorable. 21, therefore, if anyone, so that includes me. Watch this, cleanses himself. What I want to ask is, how do you do this? And I want to help you with it. If he cleanses himself from the latter, that which is dishonoring to God, what will he be? He will be a vessel for honor sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for what? You're not going to flow in the fullness of God's anointing by being a dishonorable vessel to God. You've got to be a vessel of honor, sanctified for the master's use. Do you realize that God put you here 
on purpose, for a purpose, to be used by God in this day and hour. You are not here by mistake. You are not some random little bit of, of matter that showed up in this time of, of, of life. God put you here on purpose. He's the Father of all spirits. He gave you your spirit when you came into this world. And when you died, got knowledge of sin, and you died spiritually, you had to be reborn. And when you were reborn, God knew you would be here. He knew you would be here. And He needs you to do what He needs you to do so He can work on helping other people. Amen. So, always keep in mind that you want to remain a vessel of honor to 11a. Even though God will continue to flow through a vessel for a season, after they defile themselves for the sake of the people, He'll eventually be grieved and their sin will find them out. Not, I remember hearing as a, as, a, as a young minister in ministry school, how uh, I many know James Robinson? James Robinson gave his testimony as he came and taught us. And in that testimony, he got caught up with prostitutes. He got caught up with, with some wrong living. And he said, I'm going to tell you what. He said, I got so, so big in my mind, meetings, massive, thousands of people coming. He said, I went from spending hours in prayer talking to God to actually only doing this before a meeting. Right before walking out on that platform, I would just stop and say, God, thank you for anointing me and blessing the people tonight and walk out. He went from hours of prayer to that right there. And he said, I convinced myself I didn't need to do the hours of prayer anymore. In other words, set myself apart. Because guess what? When I stepped out onto that, uh, uh, that platform, people would get saved. God, See, for a period of time, for the sake of the people, God will still help them. God will still touch him, but he can't do that forever. And all of a sudden, he began to realize the anointing began to wane in his life. And guess what? Thank you, Jesus. He repented. He knew he was wrong. He got with leadership. He got his life corrected. He's touched as many lives today, if not more, uh, since then. Amen? Amen? So realize you can't continue to live wrong and just let the anointing flow through you. I'll guarantee you, why do I need the anointing? Because you need to keep burdens off of your life and yokes destroyed as well. 11b, always remember Jesus taught that who you are, this is critical. Don't get hung up on what you do. This is what, this is what I want to point out. Remember Jesus taught that who you are is now and always will be more important than what you do. So how do I cleanse myself from all this stuff? Reminding yourself who you are. You don't cleanse yourself by physically, quote-unquote, trying to overcome it by doing. You do so by reminding yourself who you are. Walking in the light of who you are. I'm a spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do I cleanse myself? I keep reminding myself who I am. Amen? I like what, you know, in relationship to multiple testimonies I've heard of people who got free from stuff, they would literally tell whatever they were dealing with, you and I are no longer buds. We're part and company. You want to know why? Because I'm not who I used to be. That, listen, they would say, that's not who I am anymore. This is who I now am. I'm a child of God. Always remember, Jesus taught that who you are is now and always will be more important than what you do. Do we have proof of that in the Bible? Luke 10, 19. He gave them power and authority. They went out doing good, right? Doing the very works of Jesus. Came back rejoicing. Even the demons are subject to us. What did he say? Don't rejoice over that. What do you rejoice over? Your name's written. Remember who you are. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 12. You ready? Protect what anointing you have with all your heart. Protect it. How? A. Consecrate yourself from certain people. A1, as sad as it is, 
You must learn to stay away from people who quench you and the Lord. Evil company corrupts good habits. B, put your flesh under. Put it under. B1, learn to tell your body no. Say it. Learn to tell your body. Tell your neighbor. Learn to tell your body. You got to learn to tell your body no. B, two, be quick to confess all sins and control all lust. Don't hang around in context of feeling bad about sin. Confess it. Confess it and do what? Do what God gave us tonight. By the blood of the, Je- by the, blood of the, of the Lamb, blood of Jesus, I'm free from you. See, constantly cleanse and protect your environment because your environment can clearly affect what you obviously see and do. If you keep this stuff out of your environment, you'll have a lot less problems dealing with temptations to give into it, including TV. Boy, phones. Do we have to talk about phones today? Phones. Also, what's in your, what's in your home? You ever thought about what's in your home? Now, I know probably most of you don't have anything bad. But I'm just telling you, you don't want stuff in your home that's going to simply affect you and flowing in the anointing of God because it's so carnal and worldly that it's going to take you back to living like the world. D, let it be known who you are. That ain't a bad thing to do. You don't have to run around at work, hey, let me tell you who I am. You know? No, but you know what? Don't be afraid to tell people. Don't be afraid to tell people close to you. And obviously, in essence, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Okay, so say holidays come up. You go to family. Hey, you want, you want some of this? You want some of that? You want to do this? You want to do that? No, I don't do that anymore. Why? I'm a child of God. Don't, don't just say I don't do that anymore. So I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the living King. I serve Him. I walk with Him. Praise God. Uh, D1, tell family members and friends how important it is that you do what? You live a clean life. Uh, uh, pastor did it with all of his old friends, man. All his old friends. They still came to his house. Now, I would don't, say, don't do this. <laughs> He's a baby Christian, right? He, he little maybe over a year old as a baby, but they wouldn't leave him alone. And they pulled up outside. Come on, Mark. He said, I told you to get out of here. Come on, Mark. Come on. Let's go get drunk. No, I told you to get out of here. No, we're not leaving until you come with us. He went back in the house, grabbed a shotgun, come out and cocked it, shot it one time, said, if you don't get out of here. And then he pointed out, okay, we're out of here. We're gone. We're gone. E, live a life of what? I know that excites you, but it's important. Your pastor lives a fasted life. I don't fast once a year. I fast at some point every week. Now, fasting's useless if you don't take time to pray. Even if it's, you know, even just 20, 30 minutes of prayer. Uh, F, notice this. Be very careful whom you're listening to. Very careful. F1, some teachers can indoctrinate you right out of flowing in the gifts. You know, if you're following the guy today who's telling you don't repent for your sin, guess what that's going to do? That's going to get you out of the anointing. Because if you're not a vessel of honor, how's that anointing going to flow through you? F2, some friends and ministers can get you so eager on the other side of the spectrum, so eager to flow in the gifts that you push to have them manifest. This could give place to familiar spirits. You don't want to push to have those, spirits, those gifts manifest. Just be obedient. Go do what God tells you to do. And I will promise you, if you truly earnestly covet to be used by God, as I wanted to so be used by God when I told him that, I didn't go around and start trying to find God working through the gifts through me. Those gifts manifested. He just began to use me. He began to bring those gifts into manifestation. 13, the anointing on your life must become one of the top priority items in your life, if not the number one item. Why? It removes burdens and it destroys yokes.
that you were blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours. Thank you.